my boss who was watching wants to wanted to watch this interview because I I was hyping it up for him because he likes comedy and all that stuff and now he can't see it live so I apologize geez don't fire maybe, me maybe it'll kick in I just grab technology fucking work and then it works <laughs> it's magical I'm a wizard the live stream is now actually back on so oh we're I don't on. know what happened so that's good so basically I when you See, Jess, when you swore, it just said, you know what? I'm going to play now. So I bullied the live stream into working. <laughs> Hi, I'm Stephen Kogan. I'm the creator, actor, and writer of The Groat Show. You can find us at our main hub at YouTube if you type in The Groat Show or on any of our social media sites. You can click the links in the bio. And you are watching Two Geeks Talking. Hi, I'm Jess Adams. I'm an actress, and I play Pamela in The Groat Show. You can follow me at, at the Jess Adams across platforms, and you can follow the Grode Show, Grode underscore show on Instagram and YouTube. And you are watching Two Geeks Talking. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everyone. Two Geeks Talking is an entertainment industry interview show where we interview the creative people from the comic, film, TV, movie, and video game industries. And of course, I'm your host, Kurt Sasso. I hope we are going live on YouTube here. Uh, I've scheduled it. It's supposed to go through. So if it goes through, awesome. If it doesn't, I do apologize. And you'll see an edited version of the interview. That being said, we are joined today by two very talented individuals. You've had one of them on the show in the past before. His name is Stephen Kogan. He is, of course, the creator and actor of The Grode Show. But we are also joined by a very talented actor-actress herself. We're joined today by Jess Adams from The Grode Show as well, too. She is, plays the role of Pamela. How are you both doing today? I'm so glad Jess has joined us. She's far more entertaining and interesting than I am. So... We should have a good good time today. Definitely. I learned sure. everything I know from Stephen. <laughs> Don't put that on your resume. You'll never work again. Stephen, welcome back on the show here. For those that don't know anything about Grode Show, tell us what it's all about. All right. It's a comedy show about a incompetent minion, bottom of the rung minion from hell who's sent to earth to ruin someone's wonderful life. It's the opposite of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. At least it starts out that way. And once he's there, he accomplishes his goal, but he gets uh, eventually banished to earth is where the series continues on from there. And that's where we pick up with our episode two and episode three. And there's gonna be, uh, hopefully have an opportunity to clear up some confusing stuff uh, because our episode three, uh, Jess, who is, plays Pamela, suddenly appears on this episode when she wasn't in our episode one and episode two. So I'll be able to clear all that good stuff up tonight. But yeah, that's basically what the Grode Show is. It's a silly show, but there's also going to be a component where heaven and hell are kind of battling to control the planet in a really kind of hopefully smart and funny chess match between the two. Because they, they, they're the ones who are kind of competent they're back and forth, and a lot of the silly, stupid stuff will be happening on Earth. The concept is always wonderful. I'm glad you got gave us a recap there as well, too, because it's it's been about almost a year since your last interview. It's good to have you back. It's good to see you continuing the show itself as well, too. Pamela, or <laughs> Jess. <laughs> see, I'm, I already got your character stuck in my head, even though it was one episode. So. <laughs> How did you come about? The Grode Show and, and Stephen. Very randomly. So I, you know, as an actor, I like to peruse the uh, good old LA casting. 
And I saw this listing and we were chatting a little bit before we went live, but as an actor, I have a typecast, you know, it just is what it is where I play the bully or the mean girl, or I stole your boyfriend or the goth chick. Um, I don't get to be funny a lot. So when I see something funny that I feel like is inspirational, I put myself in the, in the ring and say, let me in. So I submitted and I got an email back. I almost missed it. And it was from Steven. And I could tell that he had done his research. He looked at my TikToks. He had made a comment about a TikTok that I had just made with one of my dogs. And I was like, this guy is cool. I really like him. I want to be a part of this project. So I was honored when, you know, I got to audition and he said, you've got the part. I was overjoyed. Yeah, on on this, this is actually, if there are any actors out there, this is actually a good lesson for you and and how you can go the extra mile and earn yourself a role. Because basically, Jess, I told her when she first auditioned that there was this was making a very tough choice for me because there were so many talented people who auditioned for this. And so then we did like maybe uh, 10 callbacks. And the callback scene was the one where you see in episode three where Jess's character, Pamela, has her lovely, newly cleaned bathroom uh, destroyed by uh, Grode's issues. And so that's what the callback audition was for. And she, on her own, didn't ask her to do it, added all the disgusting bathroom sounds. And that kind of like really made an impression on me. I was like, okay, she gets the show. She gets my weirdness. Um, she's not going to be, you know, grossed out or disgusted by the, what we're trying to do. So it really it went a long way. And so the final one was said, let's do a Zoom interview. And I said, you know, if, if she's going to good at taking direction and she's cool to work with, uh, then I'm going to offer it to her right there. And that's what happened. She was great at taking direction. And, and she seemed like a really cool person. And she has been since. And that's how <laughs> it is. So for actors out there, going the extra mile will never hurt you. Doesn't guarantee that you'll get a job, but it, it'll never hurt you. So that was a good uh, good lesson for you all out there. That was one of those moments where I was like, because we we didn't know each other. And I was like, they're either going to love this or think that I'm so weird so I just like edited in, he was very polite about it, but I edited in a bunch of like wet fart sounds, just diarrhea city sounds um, behind the scene. <laughs> and I've had a few moments in my career where I've done little things. I mean, I've definitely done things that are very embarrassing. And then you're like, oh my God, I hope no one saw that and just doesn't know I exist. But sometimes it really works out for you. <laughs> yeah. I recommend people go that extra mile. I mean, it I don't think it can hurt you unless you're doing like a drama piece. If you're doing a deathbed scene, I wouldn't recommend putting in fart noises. But any other any other time, I, I can't see it hurting you that much. Comedic timing is very difficult, though. But I'm glad that everyone seems to be having fun, especially both of you uh, uh, during that episode, for sure. I, I have to admit the the sound effects did they were a highlight for me, I have to admit. So congratulations. You, you know, have voice acting as well uh, and sound effects on your resume, too. <laughs> no, I had to, I had to edit, you know, pre-edit that scene. And I, I've probably seen it like 2000 times now. And literally I laugh every time when she does that screaming and kicking her legs. And it was one of the things that delayed our editing because we had to adjust when to start hearing the noises and then when to start seeing her and they were throwing off kind of things for me. So that delayed us, that alone delayed us like two weeks in our editing process, but um, we got it to where I think it's good. And hopefully you all out there uh, we'll, we'll watch it and enjoy it. 
if you want, I can go into now why the confusing stuff that deals yeah. with basically during COVID, that little thing called COVID 2020, decided to make the show over Zoom because we couldn't do anything else. So we filmed an entire episode one as a table read and kind of jazzed it up with, you know, fancy graphics and things like that. And then in uh, November of 2020, we did a second episode. So I had a little bit of time before we were going to do any kind of third episode if we did it live or continued on zoom i was hoping we'd do it live or do it in person i i I was able to reflect on things first i felt the show was a little too man heavy obviously we had four men and one one female and i was like you know that that's not good that's not working i don't like that so i wanted to add more women to the show i thought to myself you know this road character and jeff my character are going to be living with this person it probably would be a lot funnier if the their roommate was a woman who had to react to Grode's disgustingness, especially if she was germaphobe and a neat mm. freak and a clean freak. And so that's kind of why made made that switch. So if people go back and watch episode one and episode two, the Edward character in there, played by Rico Moreno, I'm who's Stephanie. a great guy, great actor, and I'm going to have him back on the show and we're going to repurpose him in some other way. But Everything you see that he does, the homemade cologne and all that stuff, that's going to be the Pamela character. If we go back and refilm episodes one and two, it'll be Pamela playing those and selling the homemade cologne and all that. So hopefully that clears things up a little bit. Uh, I know for people watching, it was like, where did she come from? <laughs> when it comes to uh, Jess, when it comes to comedy, what exactly draws you to comedy because you, like you said earlier you were typecast uh, in terms of various roles you've played in the past but why do you like comedy so much um that's a very good question i think that a lot of people don't expect me to be funny and i'm just gonna put it out there i'm funny <laughs> I am funny. Damn it. Yeah. I feel like if people don't expect it from me, kind of like, so on Instagram, like I'll post a picture. Right. And people are like, cool. Like you're not hideous. Like no one cared. And then I'll post something on TikTok, and they're like, the fuck? Like, (laughs) they're like, why are you like, you're funny. Like I'll get comments that are like, oh yeah, that was funny. (laughs) I think it's because they get to see like a little bit more of my personality. And I, I do attribute my humor to, uh, trauma and growing up very awkward and also being jewish so (laughs) part of it might be your pictures i mean even the picture you put up you're this nice funny person and your pictures look like you want to slash someone's throat i do love that (laughs) i like scowling i think it's really fun so in all my pictures you guys get the get the picture i look like this it keeps people on their toes. <laughs> when you're casting for comedy and you see that face, you just start running though. It's like, oh no, she's gonna, she's gonna murder gonna me. Bully them into casting me. That's my tactic. That's your strategy. <laughs> yes. Good luck with that. <laughs> Hire me, damn it! I'm funny. <laughs> so no. good news: the the live stream is now actually back on. So oh, we're I don't on. know what happened. So that's good. So basically, I when you. See, Jess, when you swore, it just said, you know what, I'm going to play now. So congratulations. I bullied the live stream into working. <laughs> Your scowling picture did did work after all. It scared me. <laughs> Talking about social media, social media is always a, a fun avenue when it comes to not only the, the algorithms, depending on what platform you're on, and as well as promotional materials. But uh, TikTok is, is a great platform for those nice, quick, short videos. Comedy seems to, to strive very well uh, on it, too. And I, I definitely seen your, 
your funny TikToks as well, Jess, for sure. So you have some interesting stuff for, for sure. I, I love the fact that you've, uh, you know, your dogs are prevalent, which is beautiful. I love seeing that, but you, you're willing to, to go that extra mile for, for everything that you do, no matter what it is. And I, I love seeing that. And then Steven, you're, you're showcasing the growth show on, on social media as well. You're show, showcasing yourself too. And I, you know, how has social media helped both of your careers actually from a more personal perspective, as well as how does it help you promote your, your career itself? So the separation between personal and, and professional. A lot of Jess's TikToks are telling women not to date me or they'll be miserable forever. Why do you hate me so much, Jess? I'm so sorry. I actually had to take that TikTok down. My mom was not happy with me. Oh, my God. It's ruined my life. It was on long enough. I had such a dating calendar. And now they've all canceled, 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 canceled. Like four of them had convenient hair appointments and one came down with the plague. Disease that hadn't been around for 700 years. Thanks, Jess. You ruined my love life. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I have to be careful. I, it's funny because I, I forget. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll post things. I get TikTok's hard because you feel like you're close to people and people feel close to you, but there's, there's boundaries, hopefully. And sometimes I'll post things and get a little too comfortable. And then I'm like, uh, like too many people saw that. Like I, it but just like blows up and I'm like, no, 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 I don't like that. And sometimes, uh, yeah, but like to your question and, and Jess, you like, said really well, like social media, up. I mean, it's, no, it's no, free no, to no, use no, free no, promotion no, that you can not only that. use to no, tell people no, what you're doing, but also make them feel like they know you. And that's what she does such a great job of is free. That's why when I originally reached out to her, it's like, not only you get a feeling like, you know, this person, you see her dogs, you see her personality, you see a sense of humor and you can use that to get people drawn in and that really helps you as you're you get a feeling you know, like you know telling once you start telling people what you're doing in the world um now she and i have both experienced that straight up promotion is kind of that really helps you a little weird and people prefer the personal stuff so i'm trying to get the cast to do some fun promotional stuff now with me we'll play some games and do things like that i'm sure they're sick of me reaching out to them every time they see an email they probably groan like uh him again but uh it's just i know how how important it is to keep like that, you know, promoting the show that way in a fun, personalized way so that people will, you know, keep tuning in. Technology issues aside here, because technology is always a fun aspect, you know, how has, uh, and this is for both of you, how has your, your character interactions helped you not only with your comedic timing, but your, uh, but also as a professional in your, your acting career? All right. Well, I've been doing comedy stuff ever since I was a little kid. I mean, I used to, forced my little sister to be in little comedy skits with me in front of our my parents and my brother. And so, I mean, it's been one of the greatest loves of my life is writing little comedy sketches and writing comedy stuff and then acting in them. So it's always kind of come, I don't want to say easy to me because that's kind of arrogant, but it's always come a little naturally that, and then once you, you know, do it, you, you develop that kind of timing, whether you're doing it as an actor or whether you're in the editing room and kind of know when to cut to the right reaction shots and things like that so partly it's experience and partly it's just a matter of doing it practice yeah. makes perfect yeah i agree i i feel like with comedy you're either funny or you're not i feel like with comedy whether it's scripted unscripted there's so much of you there where there's like it's like a raw talent which is really cool like some of the people you would never expect to be hilarious are the most hilarious which is so great and 
what I love personally about scripted comedy is that if I'm not funny and the joke doesn't land, it's not my fault because I didn't write it. (laughs) Blame me. (laughs) That's good to know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, what? I didn't write that. That's not that's not me. (laughs) Yeah, It's all his fault. Yeah, I just saw recently the Lucille Ball documentary Mm -hmm. where she talked about that she didn't think she was a funny person, which I would highly disagree with. I think she's, you know, the greatest, you know, to ever do this. Insightful to hear her talk about it, how she said she put so much of her effort into rehearsing and getting every every facial tick, every body language move, every thing of dialogue down perfectly. And there's other ways to do it. There's people who are just so great at improv that they don't, they need that spontaneity. So there's, you know, not one way to do comedy, but People who don't think they're funny can still be funny if they do it and work at it. So, um, yeah, it does help to be funny, a funny person. I mean, I, like I said, I think she was being humble, Lucille Ball. She's definitely a funny person. It, It helps to have comedic sense of timing built in already. So, you're not just reading lines on a page. Cause, you know, I watch so many auditions and people will read a line that I think is really funny. And it's like, what are they doing a medical drama? It's, it, that, that was not funny at all. What are they reading? You kind of tell that, you know, some people have it and some don't. Yeah, no, I agree. There's definitely like physical comedy. There's dry humor. I, I feel like sometimes my humor is very dry and sarcastic to where a lot of people don't know that I'm kidding. And I find myself getting in trouble a lot with that kind of humor. Um, it's like, it's a little awkward comedy is just, it's so interesting. So I I studied at groundlings, you know, years ago. And I remember I was in this class where it was like all of these like young, like I'm going to be an actor. I moved here from, you know, my small town and it was like, they, they wanted it so bad. They were trying so hard that it like, it wasn't funny. It wasn't genuine humor that they were like taking from their life or whatever. Whereas like, I remember there were people in the class that were like a businessman who just wanted to like get out of his shell. And he was the most funny, you know, it's like they, they wound up being the most funny because it's authentic, genuine, and they don't realize that they're hilarious. Yeah. What's it's also as a writer and I meet a lot of other writers who don't come across like funny, like if I go to a party, I'm probably not a life of the party type person. I'd rather just sit back and observe and watch and listen because that's kind of what writers do. And so I've been in situations with people with social situations where um, this one time, uh, this this girl, we were all staying at a place up in Solvang, in wine country, and she was, you know, she talked a lot. Let's just put it that way. She was <laughs> not a quiet person. And so finally she asked me what I did. And I said, you know, I'm a comedy writer. And she goes, but you've never said anything funny. I said, I've never said anything at all. You're one always talking. So it's like, as a comedy writer, it's not always you're going to walk in the room. And, and sometimes I can walk in the room and, and, and feel on. But oftentimes I'll just sit back and just, you know, if, especially if there's an alpha personality in there and they want to be the funny one, I'll just let them and watch and observe. And that's just as fun. So. Yeah, sense of humors can come in all all shapes. You can be in in front of people on stage, or you know, I'm probably at my funniest when I'm writing. That's when I'm you know enjoy it the most, and that's probably how it comes across. Well, Jess, when you first got the script for for episode, well, in this case, this particular episode that you're you're on, what was the first thing that came to mind when we saw the character of Pamela? Because usually, when you just get a character description, you you don't really have a feel for the their sense of the character itself and how they they fit the world but how did you portray that character and, and what came to mind for that 
when I was auditioning and then, you know, as Steven and I got to talking, he was very clear to me that he, you know, he was like, there's physical comedy. A part of this joke is that there's physical comedy involved. And for me, sometimes I get so caught up in the actual character that I just kind of wait for the the movements to happen. And he was like, no, like, I want you to like, think about your movements because that's a big part of this thing. And it was such a cool lesson for me to actually put more thought, you know, kind of do things a little differently. Cause I'm not, I'm not used to doing it that way. Um, his direction was amazing. So it's, it was really cool that he was kind of, you know, directing as well as wrote it kind of, all, and, and then I got to act with him. So it was, it was a cool process, very like one-on-one. Um, when I read the character, Pamela, I'm definitely, a, I'm, I'm a method actor. So I like to take from my own life and I like Pamela. Like I, I, when I picture Pamela, it's definitely her in her bright pink business suit. Like that is her like cartoon character image in my head where she's trying to be taken seriously. And she, she doesn't have bad intentions, but she's definitely like a shark, like, you know, those, those female fish in the deep ocean that like have the light on their head and they like reel in the little bait and then they eat them. Angle I feel fish. like that's very damn <laughs> And I love her. Like, I, <laughs> I, I like, I just think she's cool. And I, I, I think about a part of me where I just am coming up with these crazy schemes and being like mischievous. I don't know. I like her. See, the one, one thing about Pamela and her ideas is they could actually be good ideas. Edible napkins in a world could be a good idea. Homemade cologne could be a good idea. But Pamela takes every shortcut, mm-hmm. is going to look to scam anyone she can out of their money. She's only in it just to, to, to see what she can get out of it, make some cash. She doesn't care about the customer. She doesn't care about the result. She doesn't care if it poisons somebody <laughs> as long yeah, as she nerd. gets money. It's it's a it's all she's after. So it's it's a lot of fun to write a character like that. I was thinking, I was like, what if I just didn't come back? (laughs) I mean, it would technically just be like any other interview I've had in the past. I I was saying, I was like, what if I just didn't come back? (laughs) Just disappear. Jess is done. She only does one Zoom. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And ask her to do two. Sorry, I didn't really see the contract when it came to I'm like to Pamela, where me and Pamela have a lot in common where it's work smarter, not harder. I'm like, yeah. oh, exit and enter, not too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to mention something sure. about Steven. Mm-hmm. In the script, he actually, so I thought this was planned. And Steven, I want you to tell everyone about this because it's really cool. So when we were, we were on an Instagram live and I was like, wait, what? So he actually plays two characters Mm -hmm. in episode three and it wasn't planned and he absolutely crushed it. Will you tell us more about that? It's kind of unfortunate because we cast a great actor named Vitali to play the character of Borp, the hell minion who Jessica, the character of Jessica played by Kelsey Heenan interrogates. So the night before, you know, get the call from Vitali, uh uh-oh. I've tested positive for COVID. Mm. Like, oh, who's going to play Borp? And so no time to really bring anyone else in. I knew the character enough. I was going to shave that day, but I said, all right, I'll leave my beard on. And, you know, if I, if I had more time to prepare, I probably would have done, you know, I now that I know that we'll 
what the character is even more. I'll have more like borpisms going forward. But I came up with stuff like, you know, I look like a meth addict scratching my face and doing stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I had a lot of fun with it. And unfortunately, you know, Vitaly came down with COVID and we hope to have him back on in the show at a later time in some other capacity. But yeah, that was those kind of curveballs are going to happen to you on a production every time. You don't know what kind of problems or curveballs will happen, but you're always going to be faced with something and you have to be on your toes and be prepared to figure it out. Thankfully, no one else came up with COVID because I couldn't I couldn't be Pamela. I couldn't be Broad. I couldn't be uh, Jessica. I couldn't be anyone else. So just worked out that way. Film productions, no matter what it is, whether it's short films or, or features or whatever, you, you have to have some type of flexibility. I'm glad that with the variety of, of skill sets that you have, Stephen, that you're able to fill in that that role here and and turn into uh, an amazing performance. Truly, I, I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. So, oh, thank you. I love that part. I I literally I didn't film that day, so I didn't know that that wasn't the plan. <laughs> and when I watched it, and I was like, this is amazing because I, I I hadn't seen it. It yeah. worked perfectly. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm glad it worked out because you never know when it's last minute like that. You just you just have to roll with. To fix the the damage I did on your dating life, Stephen's amazing dancer, ladies. The damage is already done. There's <laughs> no coming back from this. It's like I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a hermit the rest of my life. I'm just gonna grow a beard and long hair and just be a hairball hermit. Go out and get my mail and that's all. Come back in. Thank you for that, Jess. But it's it's the internet. I mean, everyone has a short attention span. They're, they're gonna forget it in the next five minutes. You'll be fine. We're like yeah, I'm, not, I'm not betting on that. <laughs> So let's dive a little more in, you know, playing off of the, the various cast members that you have here. What what were each of your favorite interactions from this current episode? I mean, for me, it's fun with everybody. As an actor, I get to I get to play a different way than I do as a writer and as a director where, you know, on set, I can't be you know how the actors are off holding and waiting for stuff and they're having fun conversing and joking around. And I have to be in the other room preparing for the next scene. So. That's like I, I get a little envious sometimes when I when I direct my own stuff. Um, but, yeah, the interaction with other actors is is really one of the highlights of of what I do. It's just it's playtime. It's you know, you get to play. That's that's as simple as it is. Definitely. I only got, you know, to have my scenes with Stephen and with uh, Jim O'Hare. And it wasn't until we started to, you know, when the episode came out and we got to interact more, you know, the cast with each other that I was like, oh, everyone is so cool. Like, there's really not like one asshole on this whole project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone Stephen cast and brought in was talented, kind, uh, wanted to be there and create something really cool, which is amazing. But working with Stephen, you know, as a director and writer, but also as an actor was great. And doing scenes with Jim was hilarious but he's so tall and um and he's a big guy and in the the diarrhea scene you know he's running towards me and pushing me out of the way (laughs) and it was terrifying I didn't even have to act it was terrifying um and he's so fun to work with he's has such an amazing sense of humor he likes to really like make fun of you make fun of himself and he's very fun to to banter with you know back and forth that scene was it was important that she did react that way and then i think you only screamed in two of them and the one scream that we used was the one that was that was your best scream and that was so natural sounding it's like the fear was definitely in your eyes i apologized (laughs) after i was like oh my god i'm so sorry i screamed (laughs) i was like no no that's what that made it perfect 
and you did the flailing arms. It was all perfect. So I was like I said, I was so happy with that scene. You know, looking at uh, both of yourselves as actors, then what's the most important quality of an actor in today's entertainment? And how does that translate to the Grove show? Oh, well, I think kind of what I said, uh, you know, you can be the most talented actor. You can be the most attractive person. Right. And that will get you someplace, but it can only get you so far. Nobody wants to spend, you know, 12 hour, 18 hour days with someone that sucks. You really don't. And I feel like with these projects, especially, you know, you become like a little family and it's just so important to have really passionate, good people around. And I feel like as an actor, it's like when I show up, I want to be overprepared in whatever way that means. I want to like have my lines down so that, you know, that's not part of the thought process. I can just go in and change things and be directed. I'm not like married to whatever way I thought it was supposed to be. I think that's important as an actor and to also just be humble. It's fun. Like the second your job as an actor isn't fun, you know, you, you got to reevaluate because it's a really fun job when, when you get to do it. <laughs> yeah, speaking of overprepared, Jess showed up with like nine suitcases full of clothes. Every time I tell the story, I'm going to add a suitcase. There's really only one, but it was a lot of clothes and I joke about it, but really I was so grateful because it was like, oh, look how many things I have to choose from. And my eyes right away went to that pink fuchsia number, which popped. And that as a storyteller, wardrobe and hair and makeup for me are just as important a part of storytelling. So uh, with the Pamela character, especially going to have fun with what she wears and how we have her hair, you know, maybe her hair will be a little bit different. And every time we see her, every time she's in a new uh, outfit. So it's just it's just another thing that we can play with and tell the story and have fun with. Um, but, yeah, I agree 100 percent about what it's like being on set. You know, life is too short. You want to work with people who are fun to work with. Obviously, you have to deliver the goods. You need people who can, if you're doing a comedy, be funny. If you're doing a drama, it can do, can do the part. But at the end of the day, you want everyone to treat each other well, not just the cast, but the crew as well. And like she said, you want to develop this family kind of thing where it's fun. You get to go to work with people you like working with and do stuff that you like working on. So if you can accomplish those things, then you know you're sitting really, really well. Definitely agree. By the way, I bought that fuchsia suit in bright blue with Pamela in mind. So, oh, really? To be continued. She'll have many oh. more bright suits. <laughs> all right, we can color cover all the all the rainbow colors. Well, <laughs> but I do have a couple more questions here, and and this one I I dive into a little more introspectiveness when it comes to the second half of the interview. Stephen is well aware of the introspective nature of my questions as well too so i'll try to switch it up for him but this is still for both of you what is an early experience where you learned that language had power i answered that last time so jess how are you Great. well one example is her potty mouth got the internet to work today so <laughs> that's one example of her power of language i just grabbed technology fucking work and then it works. It's magical. I'm a wizard. I think words have so much power. I mean, being in this field with amazing writers, directors, actors, what I love about being an actor is that 
And I try to be picky with my projects, you know, things that are aligned, things I want to do. It's an incredible job. You know, it's not that I don't like myself, but it's fun to be someone else. And what's extra fun for me is taking someone else's words and vision and story and kind of being, what do you call it? Like a a proxy or like a character Mm -hmm. in their world and making their world come to life. I really like that about being an actor. There's just so many ways to tell an incredible story. I mean, you know, comedy, you might think like, oh, it's not that deep, but comedy has been around forever and it's helped people get through really difficult times. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I just want to watch something funny. I just want to take my head out of whatever, you know, dark place I'm in. Um, Comedy can be really healing. It's also a great way to deal with your own pain is making jokes about it. So, yeah, I mean, I think words are really powerful and we get to tell stories, which is so cool for for many different reasons. Do you think a person can be a screenwriter if they don't feel emotions? I don't know if they could be a human if they don't feel emotions. I mean, emotions is is what life is. You we all get sad sometimes. We all get mad sometimes. We all get happy. We if you don't experience those emotions as a human, then you're not being have living the human experience. But yeah. For, for a writer, I mean, you're really portraying the human experience, whether it's a comedy or a drama or thrillers or anything. You know, like I said, everyone gets sad and cries. Everyone gets mad and frustrated. Everyone laughs. Everyone feels things. So, yeah, as, as a writer, you better be able to feel emotions. And like what I talked about earlier, you need to be good at listening and observing. Um, because that's when you're going to see people's emotions. You're going to see sometimes little things like body language. Like I remember at a, a family dinner party I was at once and I was like, just happy to be a fly on the wall. It was one of my relatives was, was nonstop talking, making jokes. And another relative, I saw her listening and I saw like a little reaction to a joke she, he made. And it was like, I could tell she, she was upset by it, but she didn't say anything. And you only notice those things if you're willing to sit back and observe and watch. And that's kind of the human experience. Just as much as the guy talking nonstop is someone reacting body language wise. It all is the human experience. It's all human emotion. So you really you want to pay attention to that stuff if you're going to be a writer or a human. Hear me out, though, for your next your next writing project, an AI observing the human experience. No emotions. Just like, what the hell are these humans doing? Isn't that like Star Trek? Isn't that like half the characters on Star Trek? Yeah, but there won't be a spaceship, so it's fine. Oh, it's going to be on Earth? Okay. It'll be different, I swear. All right. Just like AI is writing movie scripts, you know, it it always turns out differently. Yeah, AI is going to replace all of us at some point. Might might as well be prepared. Yeah. (laughs) All right, for you, Jess, then, what is your creative kryptonite? Uh, I didn't get that one. My ADHD. <laughs> I I am a terrible procrastinator. For example, tomorrow I'm shooting a film, and the film is only. I mean, there's you know another character, but it's mostly me uh, talking and like uh, like a live stream, and I'm practicing right now. So all it's all been the script. I you know I have like all these lines and. Uh, to be honest, like I'm, I'm not off book and it's definitely giving me anxiety. And I like to do this to myself pretty much up until I'm in front of the camera every single time. And it doesn't matter like how prepared I am. It's never, you know, enough 
preparation. So I would say that's my, my downfall, but you know, it always works out for me. If anything, I try to make my anxiety a superpower of like, it, you know, it just makes me extra prepared or extra, you know, in tune or cautious, but I still do this to myself every time. Stephen, you did mention that you have a couple of things you wanted to, to talk about when we got cut off earlier. So tell us what's happening and, and what you'd like to, to promote. First, I, I always forget to say, but so important for people who have watched our show or haven't watched our show, please subscribe at YouTube. That's the most important thing that you can do for us to help us. If you like the show and you want to see more, because those are the numbers that we're going to be presenting to people when you know we eventually present it. Um, so, so important. And commenting and all that stuff is, is good at YouTube as well. But that gives me a chance. We're going to be raffling. I don't know if I'm showing it well enough. This is a deck of playing cards, arts and rec playing cards that Jim O'Hare signed. It says XOXO Jim O'Hare, damn it, Jerry. So for any parks and recreation fans, you'll be able to have a chance to uh, win this in a raffle. And there's no no entry fee. The only the way to enter is just watch our episode and comment in the comments below so I can see it. And then subscribe. And that's all you need to do. Comment something specifically to let me know that you actually watched the episode. If you do that, if you want to win this, um, I don't know how long we're going to run the raffle, maybe a month or so. But that's one thing that you can definitely, uh, if you are a fan of Parks and Recreation, a fan of Jim O'Hare, um, you'll get this signed Parks and Recreation deck of playing cards. I do see that we have a question in the channel here. Uh, this is for you, Jess, from Phyllis. Do you have a process in how you choose your projects? Yeah. So, you know, when, when you first, you're first starting out acting, you just want to do everything. And as I've, you know, been doing the acting thing longer, I'm definitely more selective. I think, I think it is, the advice that I would give to anyone who wants to be an actor, the first thing I always tell them is one, get into therapy. Because when you're playing all these other people and you're having people tell you who to be, even, not even in just, you know, on camera in acting, but in life and in your career, um, it's really important to have a strong sense of self. That's always my advice, you know, when people on my TikTok ask me about, you know, getting into acting. And it's really important to also set your boundaries. I have certain things in my career that I'm not comfortable with, and it doesn't mean that I'll never be comfortable with it, but it's just something I don't feel the need to do uh, right now. And there's certain things that I really want to do. You know, I have like a career bucket list. One of them is playing a vampire, which for some reason I have not done yet. <laughs> I'm like, where's my vampire role? You know, it's like, you really just have to think and it, and it changes day to day. You just really have to check in with yourself a lot. So when I'm looking at projects, I really think, is this aligned with me? Do I feel good about it? Will I do the job and leave feeling good? Will I feel proud? Is it something that I want to watch, you know, with people in my life? That's another thing. Like, am I comfortable watching this with, you know, the people that support me? Um, am I comfortable about people talking about me in this role on the internet after I do the role? You know, these are questions I ask myself before kind of taking anything on because you want to be mentally prepared and in a good place and feel good about, you know, what you put out there. Now, as far as TikToks, like I got to do that a little more before I make TikToks, but <laughs> we learn, we, we live and learn. I, well, I talk to a lot of actors and I always encourage them to, you know, try to start producing their own things. One, because like Jess said, she has a passion to play a certain kind of role. 
Well, if you're just an actor, you got to wait for somebody to actually have that role to offer it. Then you have to audition. Then you have to win the audition against a lot of other people. So start taking more control of what you do. You don't have to produce everything you're doing. But to really get into it is, you know, control that aspect of it and have someone create that role for you and 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 do it up the way you want to do it. So that's one thing that I, I really try to encourage actors to do because Otherwise, you're always relying on people saying, yes, I want you. And that's got to be a little bit tough sometimes. But when you get told you're wanted, it feels so good. It does. <laughs> but when you don't and you're and, you know, that doesn't feel as good. And it, it would feel just as good, even better if you created something that you love and are passionate about and saw that come to fruition. I, I encourage people, you know, not with every project, but you know, really set that aside and say, okay, I'm going to see how make something happen. Someone get Jess a vampire role as well, too. Just say Yeah. That. Where's my vampire role? I'm going to have to just start, you know, biting people on the street or something. That's a good strategy. <laughs> <laughs> how to be a vampire in the pandemic. That's yeah, it episode. doesn't sound very COVID safe. <laughs> yeah, there's no way that could fail. <laughs> it's been weird, you know, shooting during the pandemic, it, you know, it's like we've gone through so many ebbs and flows. I feel like Stephen, you know, you can talk on this too, but it's been really interesting. You know, a lot of auditions have become self-tapes. A lot of auditions have become Zooms. A lot of projects, you know, the crews are smaller. I remember I did a, a Lifetime movie back when, you know, the pandemic first started and it was terrifying. They had to quarantine my wardrobe, you know, a lot of testing. And as an actor, you feel like a jerk because you show up and then you're sitting there, you know, without a mask on or anything while everyone else is like in full, you know, gear to protect themselves. And then you're like, oh God, like they're protecting themselves from me. And I'm just, you know, lottie dotty. Um, it's tough. It's been really, it's been a really strange to navigate that, you know, but it's nice that we're kind of all in it together, you know, as creatives kind of figuring it out. I'll get I'll jump to my last, uh, last couple of introspective questions. It's good that you mentioned therapy because apparently I've been told that the questions I ask bring people back to therapy because they think on the questions I ask. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. They haven't told me. Yet. We'd be lying on the couch for this. You could, but then you'd have to hold up your tablet to your thing and then you oh. might drop it on your face and, you know. Yeah, that would be. I feel like it's your voice too. You have <laughs> such a soothing voice. Like you really should be reading audiobooks or doing like guided meditations, um, especially if you throw in some A's in there and like make it very Canadian. I've been um, holding think, back on my Canadianism. <laughs> I think there's a, you know, you can really find your niche in that space. Your voice is great. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry to tell you this, but you're you're both uh, just amazing actors, and you know, I really think that you should really be going on to the national stage with the show. And just wanted to let you know there that uh, you're you're both super duper awesome, and I can't. I'm so glad that I'm you're on my show here. So something like that. <laughs> level yeah. level twenty Canadian. I love it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I bought oh, every so, word. Sorry, I went too Canadian on you there. Eh? I apologize. You know, I'll get right back to my questions. And but no, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. And by the way, you forced me to post my very first TikTok. So I've yes. been holding on to that account for a, a year or so now. So thank I, you. I bullied you <laughs> into posting a TikTok, and I've never been so proud. I love TikTok. Like awesome. you, you gotta post. 
you know, I will. I have some great interviews that I've done in the past. They gave me some good sound bites, and I definitely plan on posting those sound bites on the internet on TikTok for sure too. So thank you so much, Jess. And and I love seeing both of your your works on social media as well. Hopefully, like I said, they always say there are no wrong answers for these. So whoever wants to jump in first, we'll we'll go from there. I'd like to prove you wrong on that. <laughs> Steven's like challenge accepted. Oh. You're like that was a wrong answer. At what point are we good enough? Jess, that's all you. <laughs> oh God, do you see? I don't know. I think your face was up, but mine was like, we're good enough. I think we're good enough when you can lay your head on your pillow at night and feel good about what you did that day. I think that at least for me, you know, there's times where I'm really tough on myself. And then I realize, like, who's like, who's gauging this? Like, what is the bar that I can like feel proud? And I feel like I've, you know, as I get older um, and, and live a little longer, <laughs> I've become more gentle with myself. And it's like, as long as I was a good person this day, I, you know, did something nice for myself, did something nice for others. Uh, did something I can be proud of. And that doesn't necessarily mean like being the most famous, the most likes on TikTok, you know, booking the role. It could be like, you know what? I took a nice bubble bath and kissed my dog and that's good enough for me today. And, you know, sometimes that's it. Good answer. Yeah, I mean, I can't really add much on that. I think it's very individualistic. Every individual has to answer that question for themselves. But in, in just a broad sense, I think it's just, really important to be a good human being and put that out to the world. And doing that, you should be able to go to sleep at night and saying, okay, at the very least, I've been decent to people. So I saw this, I saw a question on TikTok that was like, you know, if you say there's someone behind you in a grocery line, right? And they only have two items and you have a whole cart, but they're super rude. Would you let them ahead of you? And I was, I can't, I don't know why, but this is stuck in my head. I keep thinking about it. And I was like, yeah, I would, because I feel like this goes along with my bullying. I feel like you can bully people into being nice. When you are nice to someone, when they may, maybe they don't deserve it, but you don't know what they've been through that day. You know, maybe they had a bad day and you're unexpectedly really nice to them. It is impossible to keep being grumpy. It's like when someone's mad and you go, don't laugh, don't laugh. You little, you little cutie patootie, don't laugh. They're going to laugh. And then you're kind of snapped out of it for a minute. I now know how to always get in front of you at the grocery store line. <laughs> Just be mean. Thank you for the strategy. <laughs> You're so welcome. When did your life change for the better? I feel I'm going to have to cancel my therapist this week because I feel like I got it here. <laughs> I've been through a lot of stuff in my life. You know, it can be painful. It can be sad, but I like it because I like who I am, you know, today in this moment. And I feel like my life got a lot better when I learned to forgive myself for things that I didn't think, you know, were good enough. Um, when I gave less fucks about what people think about me. I think also when I just stopped caring so much about this like idea of perfection because perfection doesn't exist. When I just, you know, really just started being more authentically myself and not what I thought I was supposed to be my life got a lot better. And, you know, people in my life that were maybe not so great for me, you know, they kind of have a way of just kind of letting themselves out. 
And, you know, now I have really good people around me, you know, and also just taking better care of myself. When I started prioritizing like my mental health and my health in general, my life got a lot better and I got a lot nicer. I used to be kind of, kind of a meanie. My life got a lot better also when I realized that supporting others doesn't mean that there's less for you and that there is room for everyone. And when you support others, one, you have good karma, but two, you get to surround yourself with people that are also living their dreams and are successful and you create like a camaraderie instead of looking at them as competition or that, you know, you're less than. That's what I want to add. So, so much better than the answer I gave last time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my answer, and you said there's no wrong answer. I think this was a wrong answer. My answer was when I was born because I went from nothing to something. That's when my <laughs> life got better. Good. <laughs> I like that. You're, you're, you know, you're a man of few words, but when you speak them, they're very good. Very, very Confucius-like. Everyone has one person that inspired them on their path to where they are today. Who was that for you? I'll give you 10 bucks if you say me. <laughs> it was Steven. No, you are very inspiring. I feel like, I feel like I definitely have like mentors and people that I look up to, especially in this industry. Um, I've got to meet and work with some really cool people um, that have had very successful long careers and are very humble. Of course, my mom. My mom has always been so supportive of me, just definitely like my number one fan. And I think also, not to sound like a narcissist, but I feel like I get very inspired by, you know, like when you're a little kid, and it's like, you think about this version of you, like this grown up you that is just like so incredible. And you're like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I feel like that kind of is something that motivates me of like, I want to be like that girl that I wanted to be when I was little, you know, I keep that in my head, but yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm, I've been very lucky in my career to be surrounded by very cool, kind, talented people that have given me some really, um, important advice and life lessons. Um, sometimes they're a little harsh. Like I, I used to be late for everything all the time. I remember someone, you know, really like pulled me aside and talked to me. I was like a lot younger and they were like, you know, when you say you'll be somewhere, it's kind of like making a contract where it's like, you got to show up and, you know, there's emergencies, right? Of course. But if you don't, you know, you might think this person, you know, it's not a big deal on principle, like it is. And that it really stuck with me. And now I try to be like, you know, five, I was five minutes early to this interview. So. <laughs> well, I'll answer by saying, I'm glad Jess came on with us because her answers are so much better than mine. If you go back to what I said last time, I don't even remember what it was, but it was the stupid version of whatever she just said. <laughs> I just remember thinking after I answered it, boy, that was stupid. <laughs> it was probably like so profound too. You're just, you're no, just being- you're just being mean to yourself. What is one mistake that you'll never do again? Oh, only one? <laughs> That's a, <laughs> a long list. Well, I'll, I'll pertain specifically to the entertainment industry. It's very important to recognize red flags. And I guess you can pertain that to life or relate that to life. But when you see a red flag in somebody who, whether you're, you've cast them or whether you've hired them in some way, you got to act on it quickly. I don't like confrontation. I don't like conflict. I don't, it's so uncomfortable to have that conversation if something isn't working out. But some of the biggest mistakes I've made in this business were not 
dealing with red flags immediately. And I paid in the end, paid harshly. So that's one big lesson if I'm leaving it only at one. Oh, I mean, no, I totally agree. I think also like being a people pleaser mm-hmm. on the same note, like being able to say no to things. It's really hard. I can't well, I like when people please me. <laughs> I can't imagine you being mean. I'm picturing you being like, to someone. Yeah, it's tough, but no, sometimes you have to. From a professional perspective, you are both actors and creative talents, and you have been very successful in your professional careers, and you will continue to be successful going forward, I'm, I'm sure of it. Do you consider yourselves personally successful? I never realized, it's very funny, I never realized really until I started to grow on TikTok that a lot of people don't know who I am um, and they don't know what I do and they don't know anything about me. And I realized I don't, you know, I don't talk about a lot of the things that I've done in the past. Like I haven't talked about a lot of my career highlights publicly. And that comes down to like myself, you know, I'm very hard on myself sometimes where it's like, I'll do the thing. And instead of like sitting in that moment and being proud of myself, I'll be like, okay, cool. I did that. What's next? Like we already did that in the moment. Like it's done now you know, I tell myself, you're only as good as your next thing. And I'm, I'm trying to be better about that and to just be proud. Um, I've gotten to do some really cool stuff. I've gotten to work with really cool people and it is something to be proud about. I feel like, you know, it's that imposter syndrome of like, well, other people won't think it's cool or it's, it's really not that cool or it's cringy to talk about, but sometimes it is nice to have a little humble brag or, you know, I've realized too, when you put yourself out there and you let people know who you are and what you do, then they can care and then they can help you. You know, it's like no one can help you or support you or work with you if they don't know what you do. You know, for all they know, I'm an electrician and they're like, well, I don't need an electrician. But if I tell them I'm an actor and I'm interested in XYZ and I can do XYZ, you know, then maybe they have something for me and we can, you know, help each other. What is the second wisest thing you've heard someone say to you that has stuck with you in your careers? The second wisest thing? So I have to come up with the first wisest thing first (laughs) and then think of the second wisest thing. One is don't be an asshole. It's like so simple. It's like this industry is so small and your name means a lot. Don't be a jerk. You know, someone, you know, it's like people will say, I remember a casting director said that to me. They were like, just don't be an asshole and you're good. Like... (laughs) You know, I don't know. I feel like it's like, it's so simple, but it's so true. And that, you know, that's stuck with me. I really try to think like, how can I, you know, when I show up on set, it's like, even if something's not my job and and not be an asshole also has to do with like, have some humility, you know, it's like, I try to be helpful where I can, you know, if someone doesn't have wardrobe, I'm not going to be like, well, (laughs) good luck loser. Like if I have a shirt, I'm going to be like, you know, borrow my shirt. It helps the project. Um, am I the stylist? No, but if I can help, I want to, and it goes for anything, you know, hold, Hey, Jess, hold a light. Of course, just being helpful, kind. From an entertainment standpoint, from a writing standpoint or acting standpoint, often I've always been good at this is that if I love what I've done as being the first audience, and I know that I gave my all in doing it, I'm good. Every single person on the planet can come up to me and say, that sucked. And I'll be disappointed that people didn't like it, but I'll never be devastated because I know I gave my all and I know that I liked it. I loved it. And so that's all I can ask of myself. And so that's pretty much, you know, from a wisdom standpoint, I would recommend to other people is don't rely on what other people think. Everyone, every single person on the planet has an opinion 
if they're able to formulate an opinion, they will on everything, movies, TV, <laughs> songs, food, what have you. You can't go up to every single person on the planet and say, hey, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? You got to have your own sense of self. And when you're being an uh, art artist of any type, you have to be your own first audience and say, hey, I love this. I'm putting it out. I gave my all. Others like it. Wonderful. If they don't, I did my best kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, even from an actor standpoint, too, it's like some people. So for, you know, so I said earlier, I'm like, I play, you know, a B-I-T-C-H a lot and people will comment awful things about me. They'll be like, you know, die like this character sucks. And it means I did a good job because you're not supposed to like my character and it's not a reflection of me. So if I have a strong sense of self, like Steven's saying, it's like, it's okay. You know, it's like, we like the project. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to feel a certain way about certain things. The reverse of success is failure. How do you deal with your failures? I try not to look at them as failures and try to look at them as lessons. Whenever I submit to something, I feel like this is a good lesson to how to deal with people too, is when you have expectations, they're very likely to be broken. You know, they're very like, you're very likely to be let down. When I go into things, I think, you know, if I got that really cool, it's a bonus. If I don't, it's okay. You know, it's like, we didn't expect to get it anyways. And I think that's a really important mindset because, you know, as an actor, sometimes it has nothing to do with you. You know, you might submit to something and you could be like, I'm perfect for this. And it could go to, you know, someone's niece, someone's nephew, uh, someone that, you know, they just watched first and it's stuck in their mind, you know, sometimes, or, or they were taller than you. They, you know, wore a different color shirt. Sometimes it has nothing to do with that. And it really is just chance, timing, you know, whatever you want to call it. When these things happen, I just think, wow, amazing. But I don't think of it like I failed. If I was intentionally mean or, you know, didn't show up or was awful, like, okay, like that's a failure. You know, you're being very low vibrational. But other than that, you know, I try not to look at things as failures. If a, if a project doesn't get, you know, get seen enough by the right people, you don't get a green light. It's like, we didn't fail. We made something that we're proud of and that's amazing. I try not to like think like, okay, the door is closed on that. Maybe it's just a timing thing or, you know, the right set of eyes didn't see it yet. And you just keep going because you love it and you're happy. You can't let other people define what failure is for you. Just because they think something is a failure doesn't make it a failure. Each individual gets to decide what mistakes are mistakes, what failures are failures. It goes back to my previous answers. You have to feel good about yourself. And if, and if you do, and if you're doing things the way that you feel good about doing them, then what is a failure? So, I mean, like you're saying, sometimes you're like, yeah, I didn't do as good a job as I wished I did on that. You got to pick yourself back up. And in this business, the best way to pick yourself back up is remind yourself that you're, you're doing something you love, the passion behind it, and let that drive you because this is a very up and down business. I tell people when they first arrived LA, they should get in an elevator, go all the way up, go all the way down, go all the way up, go all the way down, because that's <laughs> what your life is going to be like. It's a very up and down existence and you have to be okay with riding that wave. Um, someone, you're going to get rejected a lot. It's just very few are lucky that they come first day and are cast in a major thing and, and their career takes off. It's just, it's part of it. And if you learn from those rejections, it's not a failure. It's going to help you. You're going to learn from every one of your experiences. So it really comes down to how you define what a failure is. And it's so important not to let 
others define what failure is to you. So true. The younger generation is looking at your works and they're becoming inspired to be creative in their own way, whether it's as a creative writer, screenwriter, or as an actor or actress in the entertainment industry. How can they inspire the generation that follows them? Just do. You know, this is a, this is a business <laughs> of doing. You just, you just create. I mean, we have as creative people, sometimes we overthink. Sometimes you got to, there's, you know, some thought is required, but you don't want to be talking yourself out of doing things. You got to do, you got to get out and do it and then experience. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but you keep doing, keep doing. And that's the best lesson for someone who's just starting out is keep doing, keep, keep plugging away. Like I said, I, I think the best advice you can give somebody starting out. It's so true. I feel like some people, it's like they just shoot themselves in the foot before they even give themselves a chance. They, you know, they talk themselves out of it, like you said, and then they don't even try. And it's like, well, how can people care about your art if they don't know it exists and it doesn't exist? And also, how do you know you'll fail? You know, if you don't give yourself a chance and then even if it is a quote unquote fail, it's like, you better have some failures. Like you better fail at first. Like that would just be an anomaly. You know, because how will you get better? How will you grow? You know, the generations coming up, I think it's been really cool to see. I mean, even from even from when I first started acting, it was like my agent was like, we don't do web series and we don't do Netflix when I first started. And it was because they were just like, meh. Now all you do is web series and Netflix. It's like, that's what you do. And it's changed so much. And I feel like the industry is continuing to change in so many ways. And I feel like with each generation, you know, it's going to change more and it could be, you know, really great. It's never going to, the industry is never going to go away. You know, it's, it has so much longevity. It's always necessary. It's always needed as an outlet, you know, just for so many reasons. So relating it back to like my personal experience, I grew up in Maryland, 3000 miles away from where I live now in Los Angeles. And I knew no one in this business, literally no one. So when I made the decision to move out here, I was full of passion full of excitement. I remember the night before I was going to make, get in my car and make the move. I actually, I couldn't sleep. I sat up and said, am I really doing this? This is insane. Am I doing this? I'm getting in a car, leaving everyone and everything I know for the complete unknown of a place. I'm in my early twenties, you know, it was scary as hell and I'm sweating. I'm like, but finally I sat back and I said, you know what? The alternative is not doing it. And that was unacceptable to me. So I woke up the next morning full of excitement and got in the car and moved out here. So it goes back to just, you got to do it sometimes. You got to not talk yourself out of it. You will have those ups and downs, but if you keep plugging away, you're going to be okay. Exact same. The, uh, the last question I have, and this is for both of you. What is the title of your movie for your life? And what is the soundtrack? Uh, Jess ruined my dating life. That's the <laughs> movie. <laughs> and the soundtrack some very emo song that's going to make everyone cry. Pick your choice. <laughs> mine'll be mine'll be I ruined Steven's life and I'm not sorry and then the music will be just me the whole soundtrack going do 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 cha 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 do 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 like just no you know me making sounds that's the that's the music. It'll be a double feature in a cineplex near you. <laughs> well, I do hate to say this but that ends this particular episode of Two Geeks Talking. I want to thank you both, Stephen and Jess, for coming on the show. I do greatly appreciate you taking the time to, to do this interview. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you so much. This has been so lovely. Before I let you both go, 
Where can we find you and how can we support you, of course, online and on the internet and whatever else you'd like to promote? On Instagram, it's at the Jess Adams. You can find me being very cringy and embarrassing on TikTok and it's at the Jess Adams. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram being Stephen underscore Kogan because a real quick, stupid story. I didn't realize I created an Instagram account for myself like a year prior with my real name. And so when I started a new one, I was like, oh, some asshole took my name. And then I later realized I was the asshole who took my name. So that's why I'm Stephen underscore Kogan at Instagram and at Twitter and at TikTok. And uh, for where you can find the Grode Show, I'm keeping the underscore theme. You can find a Grode Show, Grode underscore show on Instagram, on Twitter, on TikTok, and then Facebook, it's Grode TV show, I think. And then, of course, our main hub is, is I think, the, you can find the Grode show by just typing in Grode show at, at YouTube. Please subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. If you want to see more episodes, I've written the next two episodes, see how we can go about making these. So we need your support. Definitely make more for you. If y'all comment on our YouTube, not only do you have the chance to win an amazing deck of cards signed by Jim O'Hare, but my dog will personally type and respond to all of your comments with his own paws. Can't beat that. Come on, everybody. You got to now comment and subscribe. Don't want to lose out on that. Larry typing something. That's right. Well, again, thank you both for coming on the show. I greatly appreciate it. You can, of course, find this interview and a thousand plus others on our website, tgtmd.com or twogeekstalking.com and on our YouTube channel, which is a lot more updated than our website because I'm only one person, which is youtube.com forward slash tgtmedia. And as I say every week, everyone has a story to tell. It's up to me to help bring that out. Thanks for listening and watching on Two Geeks Talking. Bye, everybody. <laughs>